0: you're listening to the paradox church podcast paradox church is a jesus-centered community where our motto is come as you are no perfect people allowed for more information about our service times location and to get connected with us please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com we hope you enjoy this message friends, and family here at Paradox watching with us online. It really and truly is good to be here with you this morning. Um, My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Paradox. I just want to camp out for a second on those two words. I'm feeling a little bit off the cuff today, so buckle up. Who knows where we'll go? (laughs) Um, I just want to speak to those two words with you. Um, You know, I... 2020 has, has just sucked really has i 'm getting amens <laughs> um, it really has and i 'm a big 80's and 90s guy uh, and there's there 's one movie in particular that I love I, I love the Rocky series. Does anybody like the Rocky series yeah um, so in in Rocky Four, uh, Apollo Creed steps into the ring with this Russian beast of a man named drago and he's he's so strong and it's just relentless like he just keeps on hitting him and and apollo's going down and he's beat up and he keeps on getting up and it's in in the corner you, he's got you've got apollo's team and rocky is 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 in his corner and and people are actually you know it the camera pans to his wife who's who's in there in in the crowd and she she goes stay down you know like <laughs> uh, but you feel that. You're just like, oh my gosh, don't get up again. Just stay down. And if I'm honest, that's been a portrait for this year. Like, it, it, it feels like you just keep getting hit. And it comes from so many different directions, and it's so frequent. And, and there's something in me, like every time you just must, you go back to God, and it's like, all right, I'm going to muster up the strength to, to get back up. And there's, there's starting to be something inside of me that's like, just stay down. Just stay down. And being with each other, being with God and being with each other are two of the things that, that give me what I need to get back up again. Just this past Friday, I, you know, I was, I was sitting out. It was a beautiful day. I got away to go hunting. Uh, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it. But I felt like I was able to just breathe, just breathe them in again and get away from everything. And go, all right, God, would you just give me your perspective again? Would you, would you fill me up? Would you give me what I, what I need to get back up? Because I don't even want to anymore. I seriously don't even want to anymore. But he does. He meets, he meets us in that when we go to him. He sa- it says in Matthew, come to me, all you who are weary, burdened, heavy laden. I will give you rest. I'll restore your soul. I'll show you what it means to take a real rest walk with me learn from me you'll learn how to live freely and lightly and that's what we want we're carrying such heavy burdens right now and it's relentless and my soul needs to come to God and go all right God you are so much bigger than any of this you really are we are more than bodies we are more than immune systems now, you know, you're going to hear. You've been hearing from us all week. You're hearing from, from the governor, our government, our health experts, and everything. We are bodies. We have bodies. And so we want to take good care of our bodies. We want to, we want to take necessary precautions and be safe. However, I just want to encourage us all we are so much more than bodies. I don't know, maybe this sounds a little bit off, off color or, or, or off, uh, I, I, don't know. I don't know. It might sound weird in this time, in this pandemic right now. We need connection. We have, we, God has created us. The beginning of time, we were created to connect, connect with God and each other. The only thing that wasn't good was the fact that Adam was alone. And in a time of quarantine, of isolation, of social distance. We're, we're not designed for that. We're meant to be connected with one another. We're meant to be connected to God. And apart from those two things, we're seeing the results. We see the hopelessness. We see the despair. We feel that. The division that we've been talking about for the last several weeks, it's coming out because we're so disconnected right now. We need each other. We're, we need each we have physical health, yes. We have mental health, social health, spiritual health, and we need to stay connected with one another. That's why if, if, if you're here, we just want to keep on saying, like, we're so thankful that you're here. Does it, is it awful to have to wear a mask? Yeah, it, it is. You know, you know what's worse and more inconvenient? Not being able to gather. Having to stay home. Like, we, we don't want to do those things. It's awful. So, Uh, As as much as you're able, let's all continue to keep on laying down our rights. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Laying down our rights for the good of many so that we can continue to gather because it's so vital. Connection is so vital to our hearts and our souls today, now more than ever. I need to be here with you all. I need to have my my focus, my perspective realigned and lifted from, from the everyday garbage that we're all going through, from the nonstop beating that we're all taking. I need to look up and 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 see God going, get up again. I'm with you. We got this. I'm doing something. You're stronger than you think you are. I've got plans for you. God has plans for us. The sun's shining. I've got hope and a future. That's his word for you today, for me. If you're not here, all right, that doesn't mean that you can't still be connected. That's why we're doing things like small group. That's why we're saying watch with us. If you're watching here online right now, I just want to speak with you openly. Like watching together, being able to comment. I remember those those months in the spring where we would all jump online and, and there was a sense of togetherness that wasn't there before. Sure, we can live stream later on. We can listen to a podcast. Those are great technologies. But there's something about committing ourselves to the rhythm, the regular practice, to being in one another's presence, even if that's in a chat room. ParadoxChurch.com, that's where you can do that. That's why we set this up, because connection is so vitally important. We want to invite you and encourage you to set aside Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to watch with us if you're not here because connection is so, so vital. I just, I, I want to pause for a moment and just pray for us. I've used like a third of my time, but <laughs> that's all right. Um, would you pray with me? God, Father God, we, we gather to look up to you. Would you meet us here in this place, God? Would you meet us in the living rooms right now? And would you fill up our souls with hope again, with your peace, with your presence, God. As we connect with you, God, would you bring the fruits of your spirit, would you bring life into every part of our souls? And Father, I just pray that we, your church, would continue to be the people that you called us to be, people that lay down our rights, that connect with others, that are committed to you and and each other, no matter what. I think of the early church that met, the the, the persecuted church around the world, God, that continues to meet together, to live life with each other, to fight for one another, even though it may cost them everything. God, would you just bring that resolve? Would you open up our eyes to the things that you're doing, the things that are unseen? And God, I just pray that on the other side of this thing, that you would just, peel back the heavens and show us everything that you have done in the hearts of people, God, in our own lives, and that you would open our eyes to the things unseen. And we would go, oh my gosh. God, you are amazing. You never stopped working. You never left us. You're here today and you always will be, God. You hold it all together. God, we just pray that you would bring revival revival in our hearts, revival in our church, revival in our country, God, in the world. Would you bring life as we look to you, as we connect with you, and we connect with one another, God. As we submit ourselves to your word. Jesus, you laid down everything. You laid down your life for us. You gave up your freedom, your rights, so that we could live. I pray that we would do the same. That we would in humility count others greater than ourselves. Let go of our rights and live truly free today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we do have Thanksgiving coming up. um, And I'm excited about that. I really, really am. Thanksgiving's my favorite. Um, It's a day when you, from noon until almost I mean, geez, into the, the evening hours, you get to watch football. And <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I, I, I always feel bad for the rest of the country that they have to kick off this wonderful day with the Lions um, every single year. But you get to do that. You get to connect with, with others, and I hope that we all do. Um, I, I was just blown away by the creativity of Halloween, you know, where, where, where there's ways that maybe we can't do things the way that we've always done them, where there's a will, there's a way, and there's creative new ways that we're going to be able to connect with each other uh, and serve one another and love one another in this time. Uh, but one thing that never changes is the food, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for Thanksgiving food. Um, I feel like there's a business opportunity here, though, because the plates need to be much bigger, and they need to, because I always feel like you, you go up here, and maybe, maybe you felt this like at a wedding, too, where there's this massive buffet line in front of you of amazing foods. And they always do this. This is brilliant on their part. They start you off with the salad, you know? And so you're hungry, you've been waiting. You're 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 at table 47. And in the in the buffet line order. And you finally get up there and you're like, "Oh gosh, salad, yes." And you load up, don't you? I know I do that. I load up with the salad and then I go on and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, Look at this pasta. This is amazing. I'll take a little pasta. Uh, you know, and then finally you get, you know, oh, the potatoes. Look at the potatoes. The green beans, yes. And then you get, on, you, you get to the, then, oh my gosh, this roast beef. Versus, you know, like, then there's the good stuff. And what always happens, you get to the end of that line and you don't have any room. You're not free to indulge in the best things because you've chosen to hold on to things that aren't as good and so you go back to your seat angry if you're anything like maybe you're so bold that you ditch the salad has anybody ever ditched a salad in a buffet line i oh i applaud you i applaud you way to go all right i'm i'm not bold enough next time i i promise you if if this is your wedding and you see a salad sitting at the buffet line you know who the culprit is this is going to be me i'm ditching that thing uh but we end up limited by the things that we hold on to, sitting at our table with a salad when what was available to us was, oh, so much good roast beef there. That's the thing with freedom, especially when things are free to us. Like, we, we, we go, in freedom, I am free to grab as much as I can and to hold on to as much as I can. I felt this again the other day when I was, I was coming out of the woods, you know, I've, I've got my got my chair and I've got my backpack with my, you know, with my snacks and everything like that. You've got your gun. And then I, I didn't know when the next time I'm going to be back, you know, if it's going to be windy or anything, 50 mile winds again. Great. Uh, so I grab my blind and I've got all this stuff, right? What happens when you have a bunch of stuff in your hands, when you're holding on to a lot of things? You're not free to do anything else. Your hands aren't free. And so a lot of us live lives that aren't as free as they could be because we choose to hold on to things. Maybe it's not as simple as as holding on to your hunting equipment or food, but our freedom is always limited by what we hold on to. And we have a word for these things. They're called our rights. A lot of us hold on to our rights. We all do actually because our rights are the things that are supposed to make us free protect our freedom keep us free and at their best they do but at their worst when we hold on to them too tightly they actually can keep us from freedom and the more we end up we hold on to the less free we actually are less free we actually are i'm sorry And and we say, no, these are our rights, our freedoms. They they make us free, and they won't be taken from. No one's going to take my rights. So we hold on to them really, really tightly. Freedoms are things that can't be taken from us. Our rights can't be taken from us. But I want to just submit to us today that you will never be more free than when you give up what rightly can't be taken from you. We look look to Jesus as our ultimate example, the founder, the author, the perfecter of our faith. And in in the, the book of John, when he is standing in front of Pilate, right? He is about to lose his life. And he's being questioned. And Jesus says, listen, nobody takes my life. Nobody can take my rights from me. Nobody would take my life. I give it up, and I give it up freely. That's true freedom. To be able to let go of things that everyone else holds onto with everything that they have. There are certain rights that we hold onto, not only in our country, but in our churches. And when we hold onto them tightly, they are good things but they actually can cause more division and make us less free than if we would let go of them, lay them down, and pursue true freedom. There's a group of people in, in our country that have had rights taken away from them. They're called prisoners. That's what it means to be a prisoner, is to have your rights taken from you. And we look at that and we say, no, I don't want to be a prisoner I don't want to have my rights taken from me. I'm going to hold on to my rights. I want to be free. But as we go through this book of, uh, of Ephesians, it has some interesting things to say about that. If you're following along, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 today. Um, you can open up your Bible and do that. You can follow along on the screen. You can also go to Version where we've got our points and uh, the, uh, the scriptures for the day. Uh, you can save that and reference it throughout the week as well. But listen to this. In Ephesians chapter 4, it starts out and says... I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. A prisoner for the Lord. Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. What is it? What is this calling to which we have been called? We have been called. If you if you want to follow Jesus here today, you have been called to be a prisoner. It is a sentence. If you will, but it's a sentence for freedom. See, prisoners of the world have their rights taken from them. Prisoners of the Lord freely give them up. And in doing so, there is more freedom, more joy. You find yourselves inheriting so much more, owners of everything of God's kingdom, because you live freely, because you live open handedly. The thing about letting go of things is that you're able to receive others. You're able to receive something else instead of holding on to something less. It's like the roast beef when all you have is a salad. Ephesians chapter 4, though, says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness. How many times have you been a part of a conversation on rites where there was humility and gentleness present? I'm going to go out on a limb and say not many. Not many humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Those words have been ringing in my ears for the last eight months. I haven't been able to wait to get to this, this phrase. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. It seems like people are eager to do a lot of things these days. We're eager to make a point. We're eager to defend ourselves. We're eager to see our will done, politically or, or, or otherwise. We're very eager. And in our eagerness, in our holding on to rights, how often do we see the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace divided, taken away? That's what it seems to do when, when we are very concerned with holding on to our rights, our freedoms, our individual liberties. It ends up bringing division to what was supposed to bring unity. What if we, as a church, as people who follow Jesus, were those that would be eager to maintain unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace? That's the thing that we're after most of all, even even if it means that I have to lay down some of my freedom, some of my right for the unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace, for the team, for, for a cause and a people greater than just my own, for a kingdom greater than my own. We're actually called to be prisoners for the sake of others. Later on in Ephesians chapter 4, listen to what it says, verse 12 and 13 it says, oh man, that we are called to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The saints are you, by the way. The saints are you and I. All throughout the New Testament of the Bible, you are, you are not referred to as a sinner as often as you are referred to as a saint, to the saints in Ephesus. That's who this, this book was actually written to. In Jesus, you no longer are a sinner. You have become a saint. And so we, are, we now exist to equip the saints of the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. We get together and there's actually something that happens when we are together together in whatever way that is, that wouldn't happen if we were just on our own, following Jesus individually. No, we all get encouraged. We all get supported. We have needs met, physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional and mental needs that build us up and increase our unity. That's why like things like Go Day, when we get together, it feels good. It feels hopeful. And we actually leave that feeling built up instead of torn down. Because we existed for something and people greater than just ourselves. For the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood. To mature manhood. There was part of me that wanted to, wanted to just get up here and say, hey, you know what? Um, you want to know, know the will of God? You want to hear from God today? It's this. Grow up. Grow up and i'm including myself in this right we we're immature we are this the goal of following jesus is to be brought to maturity and we all build each other up to that point but we're immature and we're immature because what do what do kids do kids are immature and they hold on to their rights they say, this is not fair but what about me what about mine i'm not going to get look at that look at him over there It's a mark of immaturity and we're actually called to build each other up to maturity. I love the way that, uh, oh man, I put this on my phone because it's a different translation and I left my phone over there. Oh, thank you, sweetheart. Gwen Kubiak, everybody. Love this girl. <laughs> I want to read this to you. It's in Romans chapter 15 in the Passion Translation, which really is not a translation at all. It's more of a paraphrase. Um, It's always good to read an actual translation like the English Standard Version or the Christian Standard Bible, uh, maybe your NIVs of the world. Uh, These, though, can be really, really great for just kind of seeing things in a new new way. Uh, If you've ever heard of the New Living Translation or the Message, uh, the Passion Translation is a lot like that. Um, And in Romans 15, verses one to three, I love the way it puts this. Now, those who are mature in their faith can, be, can easily be recognized. Oh man, this is going to be good. How do you recognize mature followers of Jesus? For they don't live to please themselves, but have learned to patiently embrace others in their immaturity. Our goal, people, church, followers of Jesus, our goal must be to empower others to do what is right and good for them and to bring them to spiritual maturity. Our goal, listen, isn't even to bring ourselves to spiritual maturity, but to bring each other to spiritual maturity. Interesting. For not even the most powerful one of all, the anointed one, lived to please himself. That's Jesus. So I want to take, with... with. My remaining six minutes, all right? (laughs) I want to take a look at three rights that we hold on to tightly in this country. And you're probably going to be upset. That's okay, all right? If 2020 has taught me anything, it's that you're all going to be upset. I'm going to be upset, all right? So we might as well do and say things anyway uh, because... People are going to be upset, and I promised you that I was going to be an equal opportunity offender throughout this series. But we hold on to three rights in this country very, very tightly, and there are three rights that I think, in this process of building up, in this process of maturity, Jesus is actually inviting us to let go of so that we can experience more freedom. Are you down for that? Okay, right number one. One person is down for that. She knows. She knows where we're about to go. We hold on to the right to pursue happiness. It's written into the very foundational documents of our country that we have inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is my right as an American citizen to pursue happiness. And some of us have actually come to believe that it is my right as a follower of Jesus to be happy. Maybe you've even heard at one point or another this phrase, well, God wants me to be happy. If I gave you time to search through these pages and find for me where that phrase is, we would be here quite a long time because it's not in there. Now, am I saying God doesn't want you to be happy? No, I'm not saying that at all. But often, just like as, as I compared us to my children before, my children what makes my children happy many times is not ultimately what is good for them. It's not ultimately what they need. And if, as they often do, they see me as a good parent, a good dad, based on whether or not they feel happy, I am an awful parent. Awful but many of us project that onto God, right? I, my, it is my right to be happy, and God wants me to be happy, and I'm not happy. Therefore, God, where are you? Therefore, God, what are you doing? I call these the meatloaf moments of life. If you've ever seen the movie Wedding Crashers, not a recommendation. I'm just asking. Maybe you have. Maybe you haven't seen the movie, all right? But some of us live our lives where it's like, I, ma, God, the meatloaf. Never know what he's doing up there, Right? It is my right to pursue my own happiness. And here's what happens. When everybody is pursuing their own happiness, our liberty actually has limitations. We end up doing things in the name of our own happiness that make others unhappy. You know it would be very, very happy for me? To have millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. Therefore, why don't I go and take it? Well, that would make someone else very unhappy. If I just stole it, Right? We recognize that our liberty has limits, and the pursuit of happiness actually ends up being not a very good goal, ultimately, in a lot of ways, because we see just how fleeting happiness can be. I mean, honestly, how happy are you right now? How happy are you? As I look back over the last eight months, I have to say I'm not that happy. And it's, if, if I actually look at why I'm not happy, what would that say about the things that make me happy, the things that I have been pursuing that now I can't get anymore? As I was sitting out in the woods on Friday, um, I found myself not very happy again. And I'm sitting there, it's a beautiful day. I have no responsibilities in the world. No one around me. This is paradise for me, you know. I, I'm I'm sitting out there in the woods. It's gorgeous, and I'm just looking around and I'm going, God, bring the deer. Where are the deer? Why don't you listen to me, God? Why don't you love me? Where are the deer? Bring, by the way, no deer. All right. Um, <laughs> now, if my happiness is tied to an end. If happiness is this, then every single time I don't see that, I'm not going to be happy. And every single moment where that's not happening is not happy either. Here's what the point that I actually got to. I can sit here unhappy in the middle of a beautiful day in what has now become my favorite place on earth. I really mean that. Like I, it's my spot. When I close my eyes and I'm like, God, I want to experience your presence, I, a lot of times I will go to that place and I'll just feel the sunshine and the breeze and the silence and I'll look around and go, God, where are you? What are you doing? I want to fix my eyes on that. Like there was so much happiness to me in those moments that was available. That if my happiness is tied only to some to some other thing, I would have missed out on. I never would have experienced. Do I want the deer? Yeah, oh, of course I want the deer. That would bring me happiness too. But why miss out on so much happiness that's available in pursuit of something else that's so fleeting? It doesn't even deliver so many of us live our lives pursuing happiness and never ever ever experiencing it never having it because it's always something else it's always something that's out there and so we pursue and we pursue and we hurt others in the process and we never experience it ourselves we live our lives working knowing that someday happiness will come but it doesn't always We think if we just had a bigger house, if we just had a little bit more money, then we'd be happy. And we're not. Those of us that have been on international mission trips, see just how faulty that line of thinking is. Because you go to some of the most impoverished places on on earth, only to find some of the happiest people. If happiness were tied to stuff, you would think that America would be the happiest place on earth. Quite the opposite. We are one of the most depressed places on earth. We pursue happiness, and we have the right to do it. But we don't seem to find it. Ephesians 4, verse 18 to 20, says this way. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardness of their heart, they become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned in Christ. I just want to keep on going. That's not the way that you learned in Christ. Verse 22 encourages us to put off our old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt. Through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. What it's saying here is that because we are pursuing the wrong thing, we pursue our own happiness at any cost, at any expense, we actually, we don't even see right. We're darkened our our understanding. We don't feel right. Our, our hearts get harder. And the, and the more we pursue it, the more, it, the book of Ecclesiastes says... It's like sand through our, our, our fist. It just eludes us. It eludes us. And our hearts get harder and harder. And we try more. We drive forward. We pursue it even the more because we don't have it. We're darkened in our understanding. We're hard-hearted. And we don't experience the freedom, the fullness of life that Jesus offers us in every single moment. His happiness. Jesus actually frees us from pursuing our own happiness because it's found in Him to pursue something greater. The the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. When we get a bigger problem, when we give ourselves up to a group greater, a cause greater than ourselves, we actually find so much life. And Jesus says, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things we added to you. You say, oh, great. I'll finally be a millionaire. No, 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 no you're still seeking first your own things when you go you know what jesus i've got you i've got my family i've got this day that's enough you find yourselves content you find yourself happy and you find your needs met that's what that's saying we believe that we have this right to pursue happiness but jesus actually wants to free us from that to pursue something greater here's another one this is where this is where it's going to get dangerous the right to bear arms. I believe that in this country. Oh, here he goes. He's going to guns. You want to you really divide some people? You're going to talk about guns. No, I'm not going to talk about guns, all right? I'm going to talk about defense. We believe as people that we have the right to defend ourselves. That's what I mean by, by bearing arms. Somebody hurts me. Somebody says the wrong thing about me. Oh, I'm going to show them. Here's what I've even found in my own life. I've been in ministry now, you know, doing church stuff for a long time and believe it or not, church people are imperfect. That's why we have to put up that sign, you know, come as you are, no perfect people allowed. We're not, we're not holy, we're not perfect, come on. You know it's true. And we hurt each other. And even as as, as a pastor, my heart gets hurt. And I know, like, the craving of my soul is to connect with y'all. But over the years, we end up, bumping shoulders, bumping into to imperfect people, and our hearts get hurt in the process. And so I've actually had to do this. I found myself at various points uh, throughout my life, and even, even throughout the past few years. Our hearts don't like to get hurt. Our hearts don't like to be vulnerable. And when, when you live like this, when you, when you go, oh, I just want to open myself up, to embrace other people, let other people in, we, found, we find out because people are imperfect that they, people can hurt you. It's so, right, like kids don't know that. Kids don't know that people can hurt you, that not everybody is good, that not everybody's intentions are, 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 are to love you and, and for your greatest good. And so they run up to everybody, right? Hey, friend! But over the course of your life, you get punched in the face a few times. And what many of us begin to learn is, oh, people are dangerous. Don't go up to people. They'll hurt you. Don't let people in. Don't let them get close. Don't let them see the real you. So instead of opening ourselves up like this to people, to relationships, to connection, we end up living our lives like this or like this, right? Or like this. Stay away. I'm going to attack you. Don't hurt me. Don't come close. So we we have this right to not get hurt. This right to defend ourselves. This right to bear arms against other people. Ephesians 4 puts it this way. Starting in verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Picking up in verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I want to go back to that Romans passage. You just want to keep on going back to that. They don't live to please themselves, but they've learned to patiently embrace others in their immaturity. What happens when people are immature, when they say things to us that hurt us? Are those people that you generally want to naturally go up and embrace No, we live in a culture that goes: you say the wrong thing, we're gonna cancel you. We're gonna find you, and we're gonna cast you out. Get out. We're gonna defend ourselves. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna. I'm gonna find you. We're gonna dox you, and I'm gonna write something nasty about you. On social media, just so that everybody can see you for who you really are. You're immature. You're wrong. You hurt people. You did the wrong thing. But this says: listen. What if you embrace others in their immaturity? I learned for a long time ago from my mom, working with special needs kids especially, uh, that sometimes the thing that you want to do to someone is the exact opposite of what they need. It's, it's called looking, looking for the, the belief behind the, the, the behavior or, or the need behind the deed. Sometimes we've said it hurt people hurt people. So yeah, We're all walking around imperfect, broken people, hurting inside. And in the process, we we hurt other people. And our natural tendency then is to go, all right, I'm going to hurt you back. I'm going to defend myself. I'm not going to let you in. But the Bible says, hey, listen, I know that you have the right to bear arms and defend yourselves, but what if you laid those down and opened up your arms just like Jesus? What does this look like? Patiently embracing others in their immaturity, opening themselves up to be hurt, wounded, to feel. This is vulnerable. You were never more vulnerable than we were standing like this, and this is exactly the posture that Jesus took. He was wounded for our transgressions, He was pierced for our iniquities, He was put to death for our sin, and in all these things, He opened His arms up and embraced us in our immaturity so that we could maintain connection, so that we could be brought into maturity so that we could experience the freedom that he had he laid down his rights to give us ours he laid down his life to give us ours and we can't do that when we're preoccupied with defending ourselves whether that's online or or in person we can't do that we can't embrace others when we're holding them at our arm's distance Some of us, we we learned a long time ago not to have a tender heart because tender hearts feel and tender hearts hurt. We become calloused because there's been so much hurt. A callous is actually the body's reaction. It's a way to defend itself. It says, I don't want to hurt anymore. Done. It's not the way that you were created to be. I mean, if God wanted us to, to, to not be vulnerable, he would have given us shells like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something, you know? He created us vulnerable to be open, to be tender. He replaces our hearts of stone with hearts of flesh that feel. Here's the third one. We think we have this right. We believe we have this right to pursue happiness, but Jesus frees us to pursue something more. We have this right to bear arms, but Jesus invites us into the freedom of opening up our arms and being vulnerable, forgiving others, letting people in, and this right to free speech that we love in this country. I remember being a kid, right? And you would say something and and, and people would start yelling at you or something. And The response is always this, it's a free country, I can do what I want. I can say what I want. We like to talk about the opinions that we have. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got something. Well, my, this other things that my parents uh, taught me. My dad always says that appearance are like, uh, opinions are like buttholes. He says it a little differently. But he says opinions are like buttholes. Everybody's got one. They all stink, you know? Here's the thing that I would add to that. Opinions are like buttholes and they often make you one. I know that one really, <laughs> really, really uh, intimately. When we get obsessed with this idea that we can say what we I'm just and Christians often do this, especially when we walk around saying, we've got a book full of truth, oh, can we use this thing? I'm going to say what I'm just going to speak the truth, brother. I'm just going to tell you like it is. You need to hear this. There's time, there's a place for this, but listen to what Ephesians 4 again says in verses 15, 25 and 29, rather... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Verse 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And in verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. What if we actually lived that way? What if instead of of holding on to our right to say what's on our mind, to the right to speak just what we feel, what if we said, you know what? What if what they hear is more important than what I'm going to say? What if how they feel gets taken into account what if I exist more for the building up? Is this, is this going to edify? Is this going to build up? Is this going to bring you life? Is this going to give grace to you right now? Now, if the answer to that is no, the, that doesn't mean that you don't say it. Sometimes we have to go back and say, all right, how do I say this? How can I say this in a way that would build up instead of tear down? When can I say this? In, in a, at a time when it will actually be able to be received. Maybe I'm not the person to say this because it can't be received from me. Not right now, not in our relationship. Maybe it's just not the time. Maybe I don't have to wait to say it until things aren't so fresh. I don't know. But if we never say things at all, we can't build each other up to growth, to maturity. But if we, if we do it in the wrong way, we don't build each other up either. We tear down. We divide. Just I, I put this out there a while back. I think maybe during the Unfollow series. You can be right and still get it wrong. I just want to say that again. So, so many times when, when we're, we're arguing our point, we're making our post, we're speaking truth into somebody's life, you can be right and still get it wrong. What if, the, what if the greatest right is to do right by people, is to speak right? What if we exchanged our right to free speech and instead pursued the right to loving speech, the right to building up speech? This doesn't mean that we never say hard things. This doesn't mean that we, that we, we never say things that, that have the potential to challenge Or make someone feel bad. I actually had to learn this in marriage a long time ago. And this will sound awful, but sit on it for a second. I'm not responsible for Gwen's feelings. And I'm not responsible for yours. I am responsible for what I say. I am responsible for how I say it. And if I say the wrong thing, if I say it in the wrong way, then she has a responsibility to let me know that. But if I say something in love... To build her up. And that's an insecure part of her. Or there's hurt there, there's there's past, there's unforgiveness. That's not something that I'm responsible for. She's responsible for that. And many times, especially, I see this in in, in the church, you know, we, we have these like yes friends. Whatever you think, whatever you say, whatever you do, she's like, oh, yeah, well, I love you. It doesn't sound like you want to hear anything else. And so we just go, yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. They're awful. Oh, yeah, that's a great decision. Yes, I love your hair. It's wonderful, you know. What do we miss out on when we refuse to speak the truth? And what do we miss out on when we, when we don't speak the truth in love? To build up. Sometimes it's, it's just the, the difference of pausing and going, All right, God, is this, is this something that you want me to say? Is this going to build them up? Is this going to bring grace to the people that hear it? Is now the time? How do you want me to say this? How can I approach this? So that it builds up instead of tears down. As the band comes out, we're going to respond in song here. As, as we, I want us to go back to those three, though. Because I think that when, when we hold on to our rights, remember, we're actually less free. We're actually more divided than if we go, you know what, no. As a follower of Jesus, as a prisoner of the Lord, I want to freely give up what cannot be taken from me my rights, in order to build others up in love, to bring others to spiritual maturity, to grow as human beings. Which one of those three rights have you clung to, whether that's in the last day, week, or eight months? Do you feel right now a holding on to your right to be happy? Or maybe it's a right to be right, a right to be heard. Whatever that thing is, I just want to invite you. Maybe, maybe you actually do this. Sometimes what we do with our body ma- matters. If there's something that God just says, you know what? You've been holding on to this. You've been holding on to your rights. I just want to encourage you over the course of this song, to just begin to let go. You know, God, would you just help me?" Like, "Oh, no, no, I'm taking it back. God, I release everything and everyone to you. I lay down my rights follow you. And as I do, God, would you just just fill me up with more freedom, with more liberty, with more happiness than I ever could have imagined. Than I ever could have grabbed onto. Jesus, we just release everything and everyone to you. We release our circumstances to you. We release our reputation God, we let go of our opinions today. We let go of the conflict. God, even we let go of of family members. Some of us need to let go of, of, of health, of worry, of anxiety, of our future, of finances, of control. God, we release everything, everyone, to you today. We lay down our rights. As the book of Philippians said, Father, would you bring this mind among us, which is ours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He laid down his rights, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, God, I just pray that that would be our preoccupation, that would be our pursuit, that we would be free to fix our eyes on you, to love and serve others, and give ourselves away the way that you did. And God, we look for and we long for the day when you put our world right again, as we lay down our rights. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.